time of mindfulness and reflection. I'm going to read a short passage of a poem that was written by a disciple of the Buddha after he heard the Buddha talk about speech. And as you listen to this poem, Pay attention to how you listen. Notice what gets activated, what you do in order to listen or when you listen. What's the process of listening for you like? This is from a discourse called On What's Well Spoken. Let's speak only speech that harms neither self nor others. Such words are well spoken words. Let's speak only endearing speech Speech that is welcomed, speech that doesn't bring us down, is endearing. Truth, indeed, is deathless speech. This is an ancient principle. The goal and the Dharma, so say the peaceful, are established firmly on the truth. The speech the awakened one speaks, that which is for attaining safety, release, and an end to suffering, that is unsurpassed speech. So as you listen to that being read, What was that like for you? Spend a few moments at the end of the sitting here reflecting on your capacity to listen, what happens when you listen, how you listen.
Welcome to our Dharma practice day. This is the third of such days in this year's series. And uh, the topic is the Eightfold Path. For those of you who haven't been here before for these, welcome. And um, <clears throat> the approach of the practice on a day this kind of day is to explore the Dharma in a variety of ways. So not just reading or listening to talks and not just sitting quietly meditating, but rather to explore um, some Dharma topic in community because a lot of the uh, ways in which we can more deeply process, digest, integrate, understand the teachings is if we understand it in a personal way, how it works for us directly, immediately, not abstract ideas. And so... um, these days are designed uh, to be a little bit meditation practice, like we just did now for half an hour, um, some um, little bit of teachings, and uh, a fair amount of, usually, it varies from day to day how these are done, but a fair amount of um, ways of discussing and exploring and reflecting on Dharma topics. And some of that can be in meditation, like we did at the end now. Some of it will be in the form of um, my asking you some uh, questions, maybe a question or something, that you'll then uh, have a chance to discuss with one other person or a small group of people. Sometimes we might uh, just have a discussion, the whole group together. So a variety of different ways. And and part of the inspiration for this kind of day is that a very important part of Dharma practice, Dharma support, uh, and also to deepening in the practice is to practice in the context of community. And uh, community um, is, um, uh, practice in community is very, very beneficial, um, not least because uh, it can be challenging. Uh, we can be inspired and find it meaningful to be in, engaged in community, but community can be irritating too. Uh, it can be difficult, challenging, who knows who shows up in the community and what kind of issues come up. And rather than seeing any of that as being a problem, it's actually a very important part of um, Dharma community, is that we encounter and meet people who usually we wouldn't encounter and spend time with in our lives. And we get to open and include them in our practice and, um, and uh, include our own feelings and uh, approaches, attitudes, beliefs that come into play and have them work out in a different way, have a different attitude, different approach to them than we would maybe in the rest of our life. Um, it's a very important, uh, I, I can't imagine Dharma practice really unfolding very deeply unless it's done in some context of community life. Uh, the theme for this year is the Eightfold Path, which is, uh, since the time of the Buddha, one of the primary representations of how the course of practice unfolds, the different aspects of the kinds of practices, different kinds of practices that make up the whole package of Buddhism. Many people in the West associate Buddhism a lot with just meditation. In fact, some people think you can, everything in Buddhism can unfold and be had through just meditating a lot. Um, but in fact, the Buddha offered a kind of a, a holistic package that addressed 
um, all areas of our life, our cognitive lives and beliefs and understandings, our relationship to other people, um, what we do with our behavior and body, what we do with our speech, um, and um, our livelihood, how we take care of our inner life, um, and all aspects of uh, the Eightfold Path. So uh, today the topic is the third factor, which is called right speech. And right speech follows right intention because, um, I, I don't know because, but it's, I, I appreciate it because uh, the, how we discover right speech is by understanding what right intention is, useful intention. Um, speech always will express our intentions, intentions for life, our intentions in the particular conversation we're having. Uh, some, some of the intentions are uh, quietly assumed, maybe subconscious, some of them are obvious. Um, but the intentions speak to, uh, point to something very deep inside of us. And how we speak is a mirror of our deeper intentions, our motivations, what drives us. And uh, there's a reciprocal relationship that uh, we speak from our intentions, but if we take care of how we speak, that in return will inform or uh, benefit uh, how, what motivates us, what, become, what, we, uh, what intentions are, are cultivated and developed and strengthened. So the classic um, definition of right intention which is not the right intention the moralistically, like thou shalt have these kinds of intentions, but rather they're attitudes <clears throat> which are supportive of the path of practice. Or to say it differently, they are attitudes which express the liberation. That if you're liberated, it'll be natural to uh, not be clinging to things so tightly, to have some, some wise renunciation. If you're liberated, it's natural to have goodwill for the people and the world around you. If you're liberated, it's natural to have, um, uh, to have um, compassion for the world, not to be hostile towards it. And um, partly it's natural because the uh, unskillful as actions, clinging, um, ill will, cruelty, um, require us, the, the heart or the mind to somehow cling to something, to grasp, to contract. And if it, what we want to do is to liberate it, to free the heart, to uncontract it, uh, those qualities can't be there. And the opposite tend to uh, come flowing in when the heart is not contracted, when we don't cling. And what's beautiful about this is that the goal of practice is very closely connected to the means of practice. So if the goal is to be free, uh, uh, living in a free way is the way to, way to be there. So when it comes to speech, uh, we pay attention to our speech to notice, is our speech uh, representative of or expressing the ways that we cling, the ways we're afraid, contracted? Or is uh, our speech uh, representative of our capacity to be free, to be open, to be not to cling, to be compassionate, to be caring? And that mirror, using it as a mirror to see ourselves, teaches us a lot about what goes on and gives us some choice to begin maybe speaking in different ways. Uh, maybe having our speech come from that part of us, that part of the heart, which is not uh, uh, motivated by greed, hate, and delusion, but rather that part of the heart that has the capacity to be motivated by um, generosity and love and uh, wisdom. Um, so, the exploration of right speech. 
uh, I think of uh, closely connected to right speech, and I think for, for especially for this for us in the mindfulness tradition, is to practice mindfulness of speech. So even before we start looking into right and wrong, which when you use those words, it's we're quickly getting trouble. Um, but rather than looking at uh, you know kind of what's proper or not proper, appropriate or not appropriate, helpful or not helpful, speech, um, I think it's really helpful to start becoming mindful of how we are when we speak. Um, uh, because how we are has a big impact on what we say. And it is how we are is one of the primary um, uh, uh, evidence or clues about what's really going on for us and what we most want to do in our lives. And so to use mindfulness to get in touch with ourselves gives us information that's very different than the information if someone just listed, this is what you should do when you speak right. And then you try to follow those that. Then it becomes an external standard. But the internal standard is not ideas, but rather actually how you feel and how, what, you, what your direct experience is. Mindfulness of speaking is one of the most difficult things in the world to be mindful of, I think, for me. I spent years trying to get a handle on it and try to be more present for myself as I speak. It has been extremely worthwhile to do. So if you find it hard, if you start speaking and immediately you're somewhere else, not, not in touch with yourself, uh, don't be discouraged. Uh, it's true that way for many people. And it takes a while to learn to be grounded in yourself and stay present and really track what's going on. I like to think of it that it begins with listening, uh, mindful listening. I love the expression that... Um, we have two ears and one mouth, so we can listen twice as much as we speak. And um, sometimes I like to consider that all the Dhamma practice is, or a lot of it, is, um, or mindfulness, is just learning to listen really well. Metaphorically listen, to pay attention to, uh, to what's happening in a deep way. So, um, what I'd like to do is to ha- for you to have a... Um, uh, to uh, pair up with someone else in a moment and uh, see when, as you're speaking if you could pay attention to uh, what it's like when it's your turn to speak. What it's like for you to speak. See, what is it, can, can you stay present? Can you check in with yourself? What does it take to track yourself as you speak? You know, what, 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 what do you feel in your body? What's going on in your belly? What are the... Uh, uh, kind of background thoughts and concerns that are operating as you speak. Well, I've got to convince this person. Or I better say something really smart or really inspired. I'm in a Buddhist, Buddhist center, so I better figure out the right Buddhist thing to say here. Or, you know, or I can't say that. Or, you know, what, what does this person want to hear? So there's a lot of kind of background stuff that goes on. Can you speak in such a way that you tune into that? What are the emotions that come into play? as you speak. They might be subtle here, but they might, or they might be gross. Uh, maybe already some of you are having emotions, just hearing that you're going to talk to someone in a few minutes. You know, I can't believe it. Should I, you know, should I leave now? <laughs> and so, um, you know, what goes on for you? But what ha- can, you, can you do that in real time as you speak? What does it take? And then the other of you is going to be listening. And as you listen... What's that like? How do you listen? What goes on as you listen? Do you mostly listen silently? 
do you listen mostly with judgments and uh, are you are you evaluating what the person's saying and being ahead of them anticipating what they're going to say or what they should have said or uh, are you preparing what you're going to say if you're second I mean, what happens to you as you listen what 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 parts of your body get active as you listen do you listen mostly with your ears do you listen with your eyes with your head leaning forward um, do you listen with your belly Where's your, what happens to your stomach as you listen um, are you connected to your body as you listen or do you go up into your head and mostly your thoughts none of this is meant to say that something is right or wrong any kind of way it's, it's, uh, it's best just to approach this in a spirit of, of just curiosity and interest of discovery how does it work for me um, this is not the time to be uh, you need to judge yourself but just as a time just to notice just to notice just to notice so um, so the conversation I'd like you to have is to be done uh, five minutes each so one person just talks for five minutes and the other person listens and then I'll ring a bell and you can switch and then I'll ring a bell and then you can have a continue the conversation in a little more open way whatever just open no back and forth in whatever way makes sense and um, so the five minutes where you're speaking you, you do mindfulness of speaking and the listener is mindfulness of listening the person uh, when you switch then the mindfulness practice reverses as well so clear enough the procedure okay so the question is or the topic is um, in the course of your lifetime what are some of the uh, important lessons you have had or about speaking and listening? What have you learned over your lifetime about how to speak and how to listen? Make sense? And don't worry, you don't have to do everything. You don't have to do the most important things. You know, when it's your five minutes to talk, um, just let it come and maybe even be surprised by what comes. It could be small things.